Risk-taking is often seen as something to be avoided. We're taught to play it safe, to stay in our comfort zone, and to think twice before taking any kind of leaf. But what if we were to think differently about risk-taking? What if we were able to view risk-taking as an opportunity to find joy and fulfillment? In this Light Up Your Worth episode, myself, your host, Debbie McAllister, and psychic Tara reading Liz discuss her journey from becoming a corporate lawyer and transitioning into being a full-time tarot reader and how this discovery led to her feeling fulfilled and to find her purpose. I cannot wait for you to jump in and meet Liz. She's such an incredible woman. And this episode is sponsored by myself, Light Up Your Worth with my get unstuck coaching who wants to stay stuck right (laughs) what would your life feel like when you could move forward with confidence when we think about risk taking with this episode what would that look like what are you willing to explore within yourself if you're curious about this you can actually go to my website under coaching lightupyourworth.net coaching uh, Backsoft Coaching, and you can find where I have a sample of how I work with downloading into your subconscious beliefs, some new beliefs that can actually help you move forward. So go take a listen if that is something that you might be interested in. So until then, let's jump in with Liz. You are listening to Light Up Your Worth with transformational coach Debbie McAllister, whose vision is to provide spiritual connection, magical learning, and positive resources for your toolbox to raise the consciousness and frequencies for you and our Mother Earth, to discover the unbelievable resource within yourself. This podcast is for you, the spiritually curious, seeking inspiration, hope, and practical knowledge as you navigate healing, personal growth, and development as you move forward with confidence, building a consciously intentional radiant life. Each week, you will be given an all-access pass into the lives of other spiritual souls, energetic healers, spiritual modality experts, thought-provoking life coaches, empowering therapists, and uplifting authors who are real and vulnerable as they share their own unique journeys through healing and offer their gifts. This podcast is here to provide engaging and heart-centered conversations that offer so much wisdom, it will motivate you to light up your worth. Thank you for tuning in. Embrace your brilliant, gorgeous, and talented, worthy self. Hello, this is Debbie McAllister, and this is Light Up Your Worth. I am so, 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 so excited for my guest. Can't wait for you to meet her, Liz Gamborski. And... You are just going to absolutely fall in love with her like I did. I think I mentioned recently that I almost get girl crushes on my guests because they're so amazing. Um, And so Liz is a psychic tarot reader on a mission to show people how to use the tarot to tap into their deepest channels to joy and healing. She transitioned from being an international corporate lawyer to a full-time tarot reader in 2020. Wasn't that the year too, right? To make a huge change. So she now serves her clients globally, both in person and online. She offers one-on-one and group reading 
seminars, and workshops, and she lives with her family on a small island in western Sweden. Ooh, welcome, Liz. <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited. We, um, I just love your vibe and your energy. And I feel like this, you know, this connection of, you know, having moved from a corporate role, especially at a lawyer, which is even more schooling into something on all of our woo and spirituality and, and being an entrepreneur and all of that, that it entails, it just feels like a kindred spirit. So I'm so, so excited for us to, you know, dig into it and just um, get right to it. You know, like how in the world do you go from being a corporate lawyer into reading tarot and, you know, coming out as, you know, being that you're psychic along with the readings? I mean, wow. Yeah, it was a real leap. And I'll say that it took me a while for me to even come into acceptance of it or to even entertain the idea of stepping away from corporate for a little while. And we had been, my husband and I had been talking about alternatives because I just really wasn't feeling fulfilled in my career. I went into law to really make a difference. And then when I came out of law school with student loans and I realized that um, for me, the jobs that were going to make a difference we're not going to pay down my student loans the way I needed them to. Um, so I took a job as a corporate lawyer. I moved to Dubai. I worked as a corporate lawyer there in a boutique law firm, um, doing all kinds of fancy lawyering and, <laughs> and really losing myself. I mean, in the process, because I wasn't doing work that lit me up. I wasn't doing work that felt like I was making a difference. I was doing work that became basically um, where I was a funnel between my employer that just used me, used me, used me, but then they would basically funnel money to me every month that would just go straight through me and then over to the lenders in the US that had lent <laughs> me the money for my law degree. And so you can imagine that in an already um, you know fast-paced, intense environment, it was even more soul-sucking because I felt like I just wasn't reaping any benefit. I was, you know, I, I was having to pay back loans with that money. And, you know, the higher that I rose in my career, the more demands were placed on who I was, not just on me as a person, but on, you know, questioning my worth and questioning what I was here to do and questioning how I could be of service and what I really wanted in life. And then, um, I met this Swedish guy, one thing led to another, <laughs> we got married and, um, and I was working 60 hours a week minimum as, you know, a newlywed. And then I got pregnant and worked that way. My whole pregnancy, um, came back from maternity leave after three months, went right back to 60, 70 hour weeks. And it was, it really took its toll on me. And when our daughter was two, we decided to move to Sweden where my husband was from. And when we moved here, I had to wait for a visa. So I couldn't work for the first time in my life since I was 16, I couldn't have a job. And so I started walking in the woods every day, listening to podcasts like this one, um, <laughs> where I heard women, especially, but I heard people talking about 
spirituality in a different way and Oracle cards and breath work and yoga and, you know, sound baths and this whole side that I just hadn't had access to before. And I was getting really lit up by it. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. I wonder if I could do this. And I signed up for, um, an, an intuitive course that was basically a promise of everybody's psychic. You just need to know how to find it. And I started giving readings just to close friends. I was like, I just need some volunteers. I'm taking this course. Like, do you want a reading from me? And I would channel things through when I was walking in the woods. And then I would come back and send an email to my friends. And they were like, you're really good at this. This is really deep. This is really accurate. You should, you should definitely do more with this. And, um, in the meantime, I got my visa. I got a job as a corporate lawyer, again, um, an in-house lawyer for a software company, but on the side, I was taking a little Oracle card class and an intuitive class and, you know, energy healing seminars. And so I was really in what I like to call the broom closet at home (laughs) and then going to work and putting on my Clark Kent suit and, you know, but little did they know on my way to work, I'm sending in like Archangel Michael to like spread light around the office. And, you know, I'm wearing crystals in my bra. I'm sure people can resonate with that, you know, like really Mm -hmm. hiding that side of myself. Um, and then in the beginning of 2020, I was really at this point where I was feeling really burned out. I felt like I couldn't pretend anymore at work. I didn't necessarily know that I was going to go and open my own business and open my own spiritual based business. Um, but I just knew that I needed to step away from the pace and the culture and the workplace politics that I was in. And so we all know what happened in March of 2020. And so we started working from home and I thought, well, this is really my ticket to really see, like, maybe I could devote less and less of my energy to work when I'm only having to log in on at certain hours. And then I can build up a YouTube channel on the side and do daily readings and not really tell anybody that I know about it, but, you know, build this up and I'll I'll (laughs) kind of keep it a secret, but we'll just see what happens. And so I started doing that. And very quickly, I was just like, it was torture to log on to those meetings every day for work. And I just thought, I'm just, I'm just done here. And luckily my husband and I had paid off all my student loans by then. Um, he had one income and I had some savings and some other income insurance. And so we took the leap with me stepping back, resigning from my position and going full-time into my entrepreneurship journey. And I have made every mistake. I mean, I'm sure I have hundreds of more to make, but I feel like I've in the past two and a half years, I've made, like, if there's a mistake to make as a new entrepreneur, I've made it. So, (laughs) um, it's so humbling, but you know, like most of us say, um, it's so humbling, but I've learned so much and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Now I love my clients. I love what I do. I look forward to work every day. So, um, it's been, and it took me a long, long time to tell people I knew I had clients from all over the world. And like some of my close family members didn't know what I was doing because I'd grown up in a really religious environment. And I really worried. I struggled about what my family would say. 
what they would think, um, what my colleagues, what my former colleagues would think Mm -hmm. and say, um, you know, so it was, it was a real journey. Um, and then it's been really neat to see things come full circle because the more people I tell and the bigger that my business is growing, um, I'm getting more and more people who are kind of crawling out of the woodwork, so to speak, (laughs) uh, from my pack who are like, could you just pull me a couple cards? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, what do you want to know? Let's do it. Um, so that's my journey in a nutshell, um, the condensed version, but it, it took, it took a while to get here. I'll say. Yeah. You know, I, I love your story. I love how it took the moment of going from the minimum of 60 hours a week, that pause, taking a pause when we're frazzled and overwhelmed and ex- just exhausted at a whole different level, reconnecting with nature and reconnecting with who you already were, you know, this, this hustle culture that is so prevalent in the world, you know, is so, I I think 2020 of all years, right? Like how meaningful is it that your big pause happened on, on 2020? How many listeners can relate to that of having the opportunity to then reconnect with themselves and just, you know, you know, when you came to that feeling too, did you have like emotional responses to, you know, when you did have to log in? Yeah. I mean, and I even said to someone who's quite close to me, I said, it's becoming physically painful. It's becoming physically painful for me to log in because it it was emotional before that, where I could feel the resistance and I could feel my emotion rising. I could feel Mm -hmm. myself getting angry and I could feel myself being very resentful. Um, I was annoyed very quickly. Like I had that hairline trigger where it was just like, somebody would say something and I would just be so irritated immediately. (laughs) And it, it went from that emotional response and all, you know, kind of extreme emotional response to just having to do my job to then becoming physically pain. Like I was exhausted. I was fatigued all the time. I had a lot of gut irritation and inflammation. I mean, I was really manifesting my whole body saying like, no, this is not, this is not for you. Um, and I did go from, you know, those 60 hour weeks to having to take the pause. And one of my goals in my business, um, from the very beginning, which now has manifested through hard work, um, and through really like keeping it as a vision, but it's something that I continue to put on my vision board every month, which was, I want to work three hours a day max. And so some days that's three hours of admin, but I sit down and I really am in it for three hours and I get a lot done. And then I play and I rest and I get into nature the rest of the day and really get back to myself. And then other days it's okay. I've got three client readings an hour long. That's my work for today. And I've really, it's taken me a long time, you know, over two years to get to the point where I could really set those boundaries and where I did have to lay a lot of the groundwork because, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. first, especially like couple of years of entrepreneurship, it feels like it's 24 seven. Um, and it's taken me a lot to 
limit myself, limit my time, limit my engagement in that headspace. But I'll tell you, like, it has never worked better for me where I know that three hours a day wouldn't work for everyone because some people do work better if they're like a little bit busy all day. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, I really knew in my energy, I need a lot of space and time to myself and that doesn't work in corporate. It just doesn't. And when I came to that realization, um, of what I needed in my business and what I needed for myself, it really became clear that if I would ever go back to a corporate job, it would have to be at, you know, a a 20% level or, or I would have to communicate this is how I work. And guess what? In modern times, like most people, and well, actually throughout history, most employers are not going to say, oh, you only work three hours a day. No problem. We'll work around that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) And at your peak time, you know, I know that you're good between like 10 and two. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It feels great. Thank you so much. I yeah. accept. Um, well, thank you for sharing oh, that. We talked about hustle uh-huh. culture. Yeah. You're welcome. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear more about hustle culture. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is something that I feel like I really struggled with. I mean, especially coming from my background, but it's been very recent that I've really put up those boundaries for myself. And I've seen such a difference and I've seen such a benefit, not only for myself, but for my clients and my business by really getting clear on what my energetic boundaries are and how I need to work. And knowing that that may not be the typical capitalistic model where it says more input, more hours in more return. And that's what we're programmed and taught so early on. Like if you put the work in, you're going to get the straight A's. If you put the effort in, you're going to hit a home run. If you, you know, spend 70 hours at your desk a week, no matter what you're doing, you're going to make partner because we're going to see the optics that we need to see. And we're really taught this false dichotomy between effort and return from really early on that I, I see more and more entrepreneurs really turning on their head. And when I saw that, I was like, I need a piece of that because I'm not somebody who's going to exhaust myself and get better results. It just doesn't work for me. And so really carving out time for me to be in nature or chat with a friend or pick up my daughter from school at a reasonable time every day and spend a lot of quality time with her in her world. These are all things that I'm like, this lights me up. This helps everything. But it took so long for me to start even daring to deconstruct that balance of input and output that we're taught because it just doesn't work that way for everyone. I so heartily agree, you know, and I've been learning what you're talking about myself and I'm, and I'm sure every listener is like, yes, it, it, it almost doesn't make sense, right? Like logically, I work, just work hard, work hard, work hard. You do whatever, you just plow, plow through what you need to do. And it looks like uh, my sleeping dog woke up as we launch into something. But um, so, but adding that, you know, reconnecting with ourselves and slowing down so that we can actually show up more and be more authentic and in integrity with our own energy 
that's so important, I think, for everybody to realize. Like, I've been doing that myself since I started the podcast. I used to do interviews uh, every day of the week, every day of the week. And then I slowly moved it to like less weekdays. And then now I do it, you know, every Tuesday, you know what I'm doing Tuesday night and one Saturday a month to accommodate, you know, like you're in Sweden, I'm in the States. Like, you know, I need to have, you know, where it's available earlier in the day or East coast, even in the States. And I have found that that brings me so much more bliss recently moved to where I could just walk down the road. I live in a forest here in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm even closer. Literally, I can walk out my door, go, you know, I don't know how many steps and there's a forest right there. Wow. Like you can just tell the vibe, your own personal vibe of feeling our tanks. And you articulated that so beautifully of, you know, how we're able to then step into our own, you know, goodness, our own power of first taking care of ourselves at a whole different level. I just, I found that so powerful myself. Yeah. And one really cool thing too, is like when you're connecting with nature all the time, you fill your tank, but it also gives you such a different view on time, at least for me, where I really start seeing like the, the passing of time or the passing of seasons or the path, the way that things just grow in their own time. And then the more that you're connecting with a certain forest, for instance, I'll say you really start noticing like, Oh, that's, Oh, that tree fell or, Oh, that that's growing a lot. Or this really has eroded away. Or, you know, if you live near the sea, you start really noticing the tides coming in and out and it just helps to recenter you or, or ground you into a rhythm of life. That's really different than this neon fluorescent environment, that sterile environment that we really go into a lot when we're working in an office or even out of our homes, we really disconnect from that passage of time and that everything does have its own time and it does have an energy and everything feels alive. And, you know, when we connect with one another on a deeper level, or when we connect with nature, we're really connecting back also with ourselves. Um, So there's a lot of empowerment there too, where when we walk into a corporate environment, you're really asked to strip of your identity, like that you don't have a family, you don't have a life outside of work. When you're here from eight to six, you belong to us. You know, you have to account for your time and account for what you're thinking and what you're working on. And, and I understand that those are the rules of the game. And those are the rules that we play by, but when you zoom out, it can feel really bizarre. It's like, wow. And I'm not saying I'm anti-corporate or anything like that. Like we all security raises the vibe as well. Um, we talked about that before we started recording, you know, whatever helps you feel secure, that's helping to raise the collective vibration that's healing you as well. It's allowing you to open up creativity. I'm hundred percent for people feeling secure and doing what they have to do to feel secure. However, just plugging back in or, or remaining aware that we're moving into artificial environments. And so we need a balance, like a counterbalance for that as well, to keep ourselves connected with the natural world or with our own rhythms. I completely agree. You know, 
I uh, I grew up. I don't know about you, but I grew up with one season. I grew up in Northern California, not the area that it would snow. And so if we wanted to see the seasons, our little fall, not really a fall, right? Like we're still wearing shorts, buying pumpkins at the end of October. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. so when I've moved, when I moved out for the first time in that environment and actually experienced the seasons, the nature, the, the changing and connecting in with our own bodies, it, you know, it really reminded me of like how powerful, like the moon cycles were, how powerful watching something grow, like, like how we've kind of stepped away from those parts of ourselves in order to do what we have to go do and how the world is currently structured. And I, I, I think what's been so beautiful about that is understanding now with uh, the change of seasons, stepping into that a bit slower pace, being observant of watching something grow or fall in the forest. So, so powerful. I, I think it, it really reminds you of why when we talk and we connect and we say, wow, now we know why the earth is really is changing herself right now from this 3D to 5D because that pace that we've been going on is not sustainable. It's just so not sustainable. No. They didn't do it a hundred years ago. I mean, we, they didn't burn through the amount of resources that we are burning through and people, um, you know, it got dark. You went, people didn't work, right? It was the beginning of the industrial age that changed all of that and being able to really reconnect with our own uh, spirituality. So um, thank you for sharing that. That yeah. I think is really important for listeners to realize if they're thinking about you know, what's actually lighting them up and, and following that inside of us and, and walking through, um, the fears. I had a coach tell me, Bill Barron tell us is that if you want to bring up and do some, uh, really deep healing is go out on your own as an entrepreneur, because that every fear that you've ever, ever had, ever had is going to come up and, how how does that land with you when when he was sharing that with us i like i'm laughing because it's it's so true i mean every insecurity every fear every shadow has been you know it's one after another because sometimes you know it's all it feels like it's all snowballing and then other times it's like huh i just okay i made it through that okay now i know I need to accept this part of myself and, you know, integrate this and then boom, there's another one. And then boom, you know, it's just over and over and, you know, healing is not linear a hundred percent. That rings true for me. Um, but it's so interesting because the fall of the autumn of 2020. So I'd been in business, you know, basically just from late April to September. And in that time, I also developed for the first time in my adult life, I developed shingles from the chicken pox that I had when I was two. And I went to the doctor. I was like, I don't know. I feel like I have the flu. I've got this ache in my leg. You know, I've got a couple of spots on my leg, but I don't know what that, I don't know if anything's connected. And he was like, you have shingles. When did you have chicken pox? And I said, you know, 
1983 or 1982. And um, he was like, yep, this is shingles. And I was like, well, what causes it? And he said, well, it can be times of deep stress. And, you know, he's giving me all these pathological reasons. And then I went to see an energy healer. And I'm not saying that this is a replacement for Western medicine. I always say it's a support or it's a supplement to Western medicine. Um, but I went to see an energy healer and she was saying, you know, this, this virus basically was dormant in your spinal cord, which is how viruses stay in our Mm -hmm. system. And she said, um, I can tell you based on the nerve pain in your leg, like which, which part of your spinal cord it was sitting in, um, like where it's activated right now. And she was doing energy healing. And then, you know, as we were doing the energy healing, all of this, old stuff from that age when I had it was coming up to the surface that I had just repressed and buried. And, um, if you've ever read any of Louise Hayes books about, yeah, you can Um, heal your body. You can heal yourself. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm, I'm here, you know, with, Let's grab the book. <laughs> yeah. I'm here like Googling like Louise Hay shingles and like Louise Hay, like leg pain, all of this. Yeah. Um, while also, you know, working with modern medicine, but I will say that there's it opened up such a a window for me too to really see how indeed the body does keep the score, that especially when we're putting ourselves um with intention through a cycle where we're going to need to heal a bunch of stuff. And I was very intentional about my entrepreneur journey and saying like, I consent to needing to heal whatever needs to heal in order for me to serve in the way I need to serve and variations of that intention. And when I said that I was not specific enough. So it was like (laughs) all the, all the stuff. So, so I'm all for being intentional and you know, guiding and channeling your energy in ways that feel intentional and that bring awareness to what you're doing, but be specific. Like, Don't, <laughs> don't get yourself landed with shingles um, in the middle of a launch uh, is my advice. But yeah, it's, it's really brought up so much. And I'm so grateful that I have all of these spiritual modalities and energy modalities, but also I do work with weekly with a therapist. Um, who specializes in somatic healing, especially, but she's trauma informed and she's wonderful. So I always tell people, you know, spirituality is great. If you have the means and you can, I highly also recommend working with a therapist or, you know, some type of mental health professional, um, on the side as you're also going on this journey, because they can also help ground you into what may be happening or what may be coming up or how to move through trauma, um, from a professional point of view as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's why this, um, in this season, I didn't do it so much. The first season, um, is where I not only have on people who have uh, spiritual modalities, you know, this wide range that we, that we're talking about and, and different types of coaches, but also therapists. I've had some therapists on now, and that has just been really, you know, because I believe in therapy. I believe, I mean, some of the therapies like the EMDR therapy. Wow. Like, yeah. Wow. You mix that with, uh, you know, some spiritual modalities and a coach and you're going to get through your stuff. Like so, so powerful. You know, I I think that it all has its place together. 
and uh and authors as well you know that's why i think i've expanded it into those four areas of who i really like to to you know bring to the listeners because i personally re- resonate with all types of healing i don't think there's one way and i think like like you said with the medical medicine like if you find out you have shingles yeah you need to go to a medical doctor to find things out and then you can work with all these different types of therapies, healing therapies are so, so, yeah. so powerful. And I think they build off of each other. Um, so now talking about uh, different types of therapy, I want to dig into tarot. Oh my goodness. Mm. It's so yeah. like, you know, I've, I have been reading Oracle cards for probably 20 years. I started out with, um, Doreen Virtue's uh, fairy cards and Mm -hmm. I they they have remained some of my favorite cards even though she doesn't do that anymore but I absolutely am in love with my fairy cards and then I have added like unicorn cards and I do have one deck of tarot but I find myself almost hesitant to open up and play with them versus you know, my fairy medicine cards have become my favorite, the unicorns. I, I I have found that I am a little more hesitant, which, you know, that feels very vulnerable to be able to say that out loud, right? Like, why do I go more to the Oracle cards versus, oh, the tarot, because I just feel like they're for myself, right? Like, oh, there's some real magic there. And, you know, am I prepared to unleash this magic? And so I would love to dig into, and I don't actually understand them all, right? Like I don't even have like a really basic understanding of what I'm doing and it just feels more magical. And so I would love to have you help us, Liz. (laughs) As fascinating as this conversation is, we are going to pause for a moment and we'll be right back. As a spiritual transformational coach and the Light Up Your Worth podcast host, I have recorded energetic healing meditations to clear out the limiting subconscious beliefs, releasing self-sabotage patterns, negative habits, and to interrupt and heal generational trauma and lovingly guide you through the journey of self-acceptance. Experience the Own Your Sparkle Energetic Healing with the quick confidence boosting meditation. Own Your Sparkle will keep you grounded in unconditional love for yourself, authentic confidence, and your unique inner sparkle through your journey. To receive your free download, go to www.lightupyourworthnospaces.net. Yeah. And we're getting all like, oh, I can't wait. I'm getting so excited. (laughs) I'm so lit up by this. Now, I don't want to make any guarantees, but my now my intention is that by the end of this conversation, you go and pick, you want to go and pick up your cards and play with them. Um, Because I, like you, I started with Oracle cards and I was reading Oracle cards and feeling really good. I learned to read them intuitively through a mentor. And I really loved it, but I started noticing that 
I was feeling a lot in my body. So I was getting downloads. I was getting stories. I was feeling a lot in my body. I would just have a thought in my head and blurt it out. And someone was like, you know, the person I was reading for would be like, oh my gosh, how'd you know that? That kind of thing. And I was like, I, I really like doing this. And I felt the same way about the tarot. I was like, it's really overwhelming. It's 78 cards. You have to know the meanings. You have to know how they interact with one another. You have to know all the positions of the spread that, you know, all the things. And on my journey with the tarot, I started listening on my commute back and forth to work. I started listening to tarot readers on YouTube and there are tons of them. And I really started curating my little playlist. I'm a Sagittarius sun sign and a lot of tarot readers will do general public readings, but based on like they'd separate them by sun sign on the Zodiac. So I would watch all these Sagittarius readings and listen to them. And it was kind of like learning a language by listening to a podcast or listening to, um, you know, telenovelas or, or whatever, where when you're immersed in a language and you hear it over and over again, and you're getting some context for it every time I started feeling more and more comfortable. I didn't learn exactly all the meanings or anything, but I started just hearing the cadence and the ease with which others were reading and where people were really adding in the intuitive piece. So it wasn't like they were regurgitating the same meaning for let's say three of cups as every other reader. I really watched them using the system as a base and then adding the intuition on top to really bring in the intuitive story or to weave it together into the narrative that was going to help the person who was listening. So I bought my first tarot deck. I had gone to the esoteric shop downtown and I had heard the song Starman by David Bowie playing in my head over and over for weeks. It was just the course. I won't sing it. So this podcast doesn't get taken down, but (laughs) um, just the snippet of he's a star man waiting in the sky He'd like to come and see us, but he'd think he'd blow our minds. And that part kept playing in my head. And I was like, great song, love Bowie. It's got to stop. And I went to the esoteric shop. I was looking at the tarot cards and lo and behold, my hand landed on the Starman tarot. And that was like my signal of like, okay, I'm going to buy this deck. I do not recommend starting with that deck. It was so intense. <laughs> the imagery was so, I thought it was going to be like David Bowie, like, you know, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. It was really psychedelic. It's a very cool deck and I love it now. But at the time I was like, what am I looking at? What's happening? But what I did was I, I taught myself the tarot and this is how I teach other people. You line up the cards, the major arcana from zero, the fool to 21, the world. And what's happening there is you're walking through what they call the fool's journey. And it mirrors Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. That is the basis of literature and sagas and adventures. And sometimes I'll even tell people like, are you a Harry Potter fan? View this as though you're reading Harry Potter. If you're a Star Wars fan, view it as though you're watching Star Wars for the first time. Or, you know, for the 2000th time, if you're Lord of the Rings, do that. Whatever epic tale that resonates with you, 
take yourself on the journey because it's a story of archetypes. Take yourself on the journey where from zero, the fool, we meet the character who's starting the new beginning. And you actually go on that literary journey with them up until 21, the world. And you see that the first seven cards of the major arcana center us in on who our characters are, who, who are the people, what are the energies? So you're meeting the fool, the magician, the high priestess, the empress, the emperor, the hierophant and the lovers. And these are all aspects of self our divine feminine, our divine masculine, and then how they work together with the lovers. You see that, that feminine and masculine really complementing one another. So those first seven cards, those are our cast of characters. Then we meet the chariot with number seven, which would be the eighth card in the deck. So we start with zero. We meet the chariot and that's when the action starts. Our hero is off on their journey. It's when Harry gets his letter to Hogwarts. It's when, you know, Luke Skywalker leaves uncle Ben's farm. And you go out on your journey and then you start learning about what is it I'm here to do in the world. And by part of that journey, just like the entrepreneurship journey is that we usually have to say goodbye to old ways. Those are when we meet like the death card and the tower where the universe is going to remove some things from our lives. We're also promised some good stuff, temperance, learning how to balance, learning how to step into our new selves. Strength is there. Um, really getting to know like who we are in the journey, what needs to move away? How do I do this? So those second seven cards are really the how of the journey. And then the last seven cards of the major arcana are those kind of soul up levels. Like what have we learned on the journey? What do we need to integrate? Are there any last bits that need to stay behind? but where we're really surrendering to really up-leveling. This is where we meet the star, the moon, the sun, um, these deeper parts of ourselves, our deeper emotions, our deeper wells of joy. And then we get to the world at 21 and you see on pretty much every tarot card, every rendering of the world, it shows a person, usually a female, walking through some type of hoop or wreath or circle. And that really signifies taking that last step into your next iteration. Like you've passed the point of no return. You are no longer the person you were when you started this journey. You're really completing the cycle. And guess what happens at the end of the major arcana in the tarot? When you walk through that hoop, it takes you right back to zero, the fool, because now this is your new base. And so it's really taking us through those continuous journeys of life. So when we talk about, when I say like healing's not linear and, you know, it's like one thing after another, sometimes the cycle of going from zero to 21 takes a little while longer because we're de dealing with some deeper stuff. Sometimes those cycles feel like, you know, it's like the pages are flipping over on the calendar where you're just like, okay, what's next? What's next? But when you look at the tarot as a system that helps us verbalize what's already going on in our subconscious, because we're all already on these journeys. And usually our subconscious speaks to us in symbols. That's why we dream in ways that we think like, um, we wake up and we're like, well, there was a, there was a great big white bird and I was riding a butterfly and I somehow lived in this place, but I knew it was my home. And it, you know, like 
that our subconscious is speaking to us in our dream time in that symbology. And the tarot is really a way to tap into that during our waking time to really tap in by using the symbology of the cards to activate things from our subconscious and help them move into our conscious mind without our ego gatekeeping the information. Cause usually our ego will jump in with when our subconscious speaks and our ego will be like, up, 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 no, 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 no. I'm not letting this through. Um, it's safer if she doesn't know it. But so I really love using it as a healing tool and letting it help us verbalize what's already happening in the background. Wow. That's a lot. I've never had, I was over here writing a lot of notes, right? But (laughs) I thought to myself, um, wow, I've never really thought, well, I've, cause I don't, right. Like I have never really dug into understanding it. Um, because it just felt a little scary, like what I was going to unleash and, you don't know what the cards are. And so I never have heard or understood those three sevens um, of this whole journey. And then there are cycles. So when you talk about the cycles, then, so is it a cycle with like, when you're using like um, an example of like the star Wars or Harry Potter, like, it's just a cycle, a phase of, of something that you're going through. So some of them could be short, a short story, short cycle. And then it's the next iteration of it all. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes we have multiple cycles happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like we may, you know, for instance, in my personal life right now, I'm on a long journey of, healing a lot of inner child trauma and a lot of inner child turmoil. So that's one long journey that I'm on, but you know, there are going to be small, little smaller journeys within that major journey. And then I'm also healing a lot around being a mother and learning how to live with my husband, you know, like, which will be a lifelong thing, um, hopefully, but, you know, (laughs) going through, going through different cycles with him and our relationship and our marriage and how it's evolving. And then also, you know, being a business owner and going through those phases and cycles. So some of them are coexisting and they're dependent on each other. And some are on some level, they're still um, like coexisting because I'm the red thread, but you know, they, they're a bit more detached and one may feel like it's, I'm moving very quickly through it at different times. And then other journeys may feel slowed down. So, um, it is, you know, we're complex beings. And so it's really neat. I say also like when you're working with the tarot is make sure that you're asking good questions. Um, make sure that you're asking, how, when, what, why questions, um, or like asking, how can I find more support on this journey? Where can I find more support? How can I call in the people I need? Um, this is just talking about those healing journeys, but really asking questions, you know, a lot of people will come to me and say, I just want to know what I'm supposed to be doing or like, what's my life's purpose. And the first thing that always comes through from my guides before I even touch the cards is that we need to really break down this idea that the hero origin story 
is like the X-Men story or the Marvel comic story where it's like, you know, you're going to get bitten by the radioactive spider and then you're going <laughs> to become the hero. And then, and then you're going to, you're going to know what you're here to do. Um, or, you know, that whatever your whatever those superhero that you've, you've fallen a vat of acid and then you're suddenly a villain. Um, (laughs) but but we're really taught that it's like that our purpose will, will come through and we just need to find the magic cookie and eat it. And then we're going to be living in our purpose. Whereas, um, what's really come through so many times through the tarot is this message for the collective where it's like, you are living your, hero origin story in every moment, like every moment is really leading you toward a deeper understanding of your purpose here. You're already living your purpose. It's really just allowing it to come more into your awareness and then putting a little more intention on it. Um, it's the difference. I tell people like with, especially asking questions of the tarot, it's like having a GPS in your car. And sometimes you just want to get in the car and take a Sunday drive and see what you see and, and take Mm -hmm. in what you take in. And that's when you just kind of say to the cards, like, what do I need to know today? And then you can pull some cards and you go for your Sunday drive. And then other times when you really need an answer, or you really need to get some clarity on something, you really need to be able to put that destination address into the GPS. And then you're going to get the directions you need. You're going to get that information. You're going to get that feedback. Um, but really seeing that there's different ways to work with those cards and that just like in corporate world, I'm going to say it like garbage in garbage out. Mm -hmm. If you're kind of asking a Sunday drive question, when you really want to know what are my next best steps to whatever, to get to my next level in my career, or like, what are my next best steps to get this promotion? Those kind of questions. If that's what you're really burning to know, then ask it and be bold and see what comes through. And a lot of people hold back because they're like, well, I don't want to get too specific because what if I miss? And I'm like, you can't miss with the cards. The more specific you are, the more that the universe can really bring the information to you in a way that you'll understand it and give you some guidance. Um, Cause we usually have the answers inside of us already. The cards are just paper and ink, right? And they're, they're depicting some imagery but we really are the ones who are interpreting and we're interpreting based on our own internal biases, our backgrounds, our connection, our connection with our energy, the way we can read people, the way we can read energy, the way we can read a room, you know, all these factors go into it. And so what I love is seeing people suddenly being like, oh my gosh, I was doing these surface level readings. And then I started asking the questions I really was too afraid to ask before. And they're like, it's blowing my mind because it feels like a love letter from yourself. You're really tapping into your own answers, your own deepest answers. And you're able to verbalize them to yourself and be like, oh my gosh, I, it's Dorothy at the end of the wizard of Oz. You had it in her all the time. Yes. Oh, I love that. It's always there. It was always there. Mm -hmm. You just had to realize that you could have always gone home. Oh, you know, when you were, when you were talking about that too, my corporate person flared up too about, so uh, I helped do problem solving, (laughs) you know, I use like lean six Sigma. So I use problem solving. And one of the things we put together is a problem statement, you know, like, so you can actually identify what problem am I trying to solve here? And then what am I going to do? Increase it, decrease it, or by what date, you know? And so if I'm thinking about 
this the cards specifically in asking a question. So somebody just saying, for example, um, am I going to meet, you know, this wonderful person who's my true partner, right? Very vague versus yeah. over this next course of this next year, am I going to connect with my partner that's aligned with who I am and who I'm becoming is, yeah. or, or, or do even, you even get more specific? I get even more specific because I, I love turning everything into an I statement. Mm -hmm. So for that kind of question, I'll say, you know, you're an amazing person. You're definitely going to be attracting in all kinds of people. So I'll turn the question a little bit on its head and say like, what do I need to heal in order to attract in a person who feels in alignment with my energy Ooh, or like, like what? That. Uh -huh. Yeah. Where it feels like, um, just a slight tweak, but where it feels a lot more empowering over like, what can I be working on? Because I, you know, and like identifying a vision of the type of partner, if it's love, the type of partner or the type of career or the type of home life or the type of balance you want to have, like identifying. Yeah. Like what problem are we trying to solve? Okay. I'd mm -hmm. like to have a really fulfilling relationship. And usually what I'll say is like, you got some work to do because that means sitting down and really listing out in, in deep specificity, what does an aligned relationship look like to me? What does the communication look and feel like? What does the frequency of our meetings look and feel like? What types of activities do we do, do together? What type of person is this? You know, really getting into those deep energetics and those deep uh, manifestations of what that relationship looks like. That's step one, because you're not going to know that you found it until you kind of already Ooh. have in mind what it feels mm -hmm. and looks like, because we always use, we're taught to say like, I'll know it when I see it. Well, it can also help if you, because sometimes, especially if we have a lot of stuff in our shadow, um, we can excuse a lot of red flags because we don't know what the white flags look like for us. And so just like you would with goal setting or KPIs. Yeah. Um, I'm, yes. not, I'm not saying like, let's, let's uh, corporate our relationships, but you know, just like that, where you're like, we'll know we have a metric. Now we know what feels good. If somebody is interested in me, they're going to want to communicate with me. And I want it, you know, I don't want someone ringing my phone off the hook. I want text messages, you know, like really getting specific about what it is that you want and empowering yourself with that. And I'm not saying to this to become toxic, like that you're going through a rubric and not treating people like humans, but really just identifying what feels good and aligned for you, number one, and then asking questions of the cards where you're really asking, okay, how, how do I bring that in? Like, how do I set myself up? Is there a structure I need to create to allow that kind of love? And are there things that I need to heal in myself where um, I am ignoring red flags or where I am attracting people who make me feel a certain way that's not so good? And really like turning it around where it's not um, waiting for someone to come in, but where we're really aligning ourselves and putting us in the best possible position to meet that person or to get bitten by that radioactive spider. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're not visiting the science museum, you're not going to meet the spider, like yeah. that kind of thing, like being in the right place at the right time, we can accelerate that by cultivating a life that would 
you know, where we're going to show up at a place where we're going to meet the partner we want. If we don't want to date someone who drinks all the time, like we don't want to meet them maybe at a bar, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if we want to meet someone who fits these criteria, okay, where, where would I meet that type of person? Ask the cards, you know, like what, or what can I be doing to bring that person in? Ask the cards. Um, because chances are that you already know, but it's like the cards can help you kind of, like I said, it can help you pull that out of the subconscious or the Mm -hmm. back of your mind. And you're suddenly like, oh yeah, I would love, you know, maybe it's finding a new dog park because you want to find another dog lover. Um, you know, whatever it would be. I don't know why that just came yeah. out. But. Yeah. Well, that's so interesting because, you know, I have a dog and she's all of a sudden yeah. very active because she's very happy with where we live now. And oh, good. so she's not sleeping the whole time. So, mm-hmm. so that's what's so, that's really interesting because over the years, you know, like um, I've had a love coach where you write down, you know, like characteristics. I mean, really like you want them to be devoted to say their family and then, uh, but I didn't, wouldn't always accomplish or take a look at, or Al, I think it was Alison Armstrong who said for every characteristic, you have to look at the flip side of the hand. Well, that means every Sunday they're with their family, like their yep. extended family, not necessarily you as their core family, or that's the time that they, you know, spend with their kids or their grandkids or their dogs or whatever that family looks like to them and so mm-hmm. i've written lists and then you've come to find out that oh yeah this person actually has a lot of stuff on the list but i didn't always like think about it with how that shows up like that even as simple simple as the communication like do you want somebody blowing up like that's how i think about it blowing up your phone yeah. i remember dating somebody who was like you know wanted to call every time they were off well their job ended at 2 30 in the afternoon uh mine didn't right mine didn't until right. 37 8 9 10 i mean really i worked with asia at that time in my corporate job and so i was on could be on late or and so i found it very annoying mm-hmm. like you really ah. don't have to call me every every day that you cut off of work so that obviously relationship didn't work for very long but that's interesting that you say that is it the texting or the calling or even you know i've had somebody write really beautiful emails like so in depth because in person they had a hard time saying that it was like they were almost journaling yeah and it was so beautiful and rich and and soul feeling you know and so getting that specific i hadn't really connected in even with my own corporate thought process of how that looks like in all of these different areas and so i could see where the cards then could be very very specific of what you're looking for but you first need to go back and answer those questions for yourself of what that looks like more yeah. just that oh they make certain amount of money oh they have a house oh they like to go out in the woods you know i mean those are all still kind of right. vague <laughs> yeah well exactly and like that process of getting in touch with what it is that you want or what it is that you desire it also clarifies so much for yourself even before you pick up the cards. So this is like what we were talking about before with complementary, you know, modalities with therapy and 
um, or, you know, if you have talk therapy and EMDR, and then you're maybe doing some tapping, and then you're also working with energy healing or the cards, you know, like all of these complements, all of the energy that you're moving through. So it's like really getting clear on what it is you want, or really getting clear on who it is you want to be, or who it is you are. Um, then when you pick up the cards, there's a whole different layer of information that comes in and there's a whole different layer of specificity. And we talked about the major arcana, but I'm going to tell you really fast about the minor arcana as well, because I don't want to leave you hanging on that. Yes. Yes. And those, those are where you find the four signs where you find the cups, the wands, the pentacles, and the swords. And each of those, I like to tell people also correspond with an element. So the swords are air element, and this is where the logic comes from. So the swords are a lot about communication, logic. It's that right brain cups are water. And so that's the emotions, the intuition, it's love, it's relationships. Wands are fire. So it's passion, adventure, um, what lights you up. And then the pentacles are earth and this can be all forms of abundance. So this is or material world. So this is where we ground into, it can be coins. It can be health. It can be the legacy that you're building your business. Um, so when we work in those four elements and those four signs, each one again, tells a different story about the journey we go on as we heal and move through that energy. So like the ACE to the 10 of swords is showing us if you line those up, you'll start seeing where with the ACE, the universe is setting you off on a journey of going into your psyche, into your thoughts and doing that kind of shadow work of going through, okay, what is it that's holding me back? Where are my shadows? Where do I need to rest? What am I fighting? What am I ignoring that may be deceiving me? Where am I creating my own prison? And then how do I get out? How do I get out of the prison of my own thoughts? So it's really taking us through that journey of freeing ourselves and healing ourselves from those repetitive thoughts or unlearning. And then the cups take us on this beautiful emotional journey, our different types of relationships with a partner, with friends, with coworkers, with colleagues, and then really moving into this place of feeling abundance in our emotions that this wellspring that comes from within ourselves, the wands take us on a journey of going out on the adventure of life, <laughs> really feeling lit up passion, career, what you do. And when you look at the wands, I'm a fire sign. So I really connect in with the wands a lot, but it's like, there's partying, there's action, there's moving forward, there's setting boundaries. And then when you've got the pentacles, it, it goes a lot. A lot of times people say that it really goes into career um, or how you make money or how you bring in material wealth into your world. It's much more complicated than that. But for these purposes, I'll say that that journey on the pentacles is really showing you like, okay, where do you, who do you work with? How do you work on a team? Where do you find abundance? Is there any lack or scarcity mentality? How do you free yourself from that and move forward? And then how do you kind of come to that fruition of I've really done it. I've made, I have the resources I need and I will always have the resources I need. So each of the four signs also takes a different journey, but I say that if you pick a lot of major arcana, which were those first 22 cards, um, those are taking you through a journey of 
the major changes, the major themes and lessons of life. And then the, uh, the minor arcana, the other four suits are taking you through kind of like those day-to-day things. What do I need? What are the minor things that need tweaking? What are the things I should be focusing on in my day-to-day? How can I be setting affirmations in my daily life? How can I be journaling? I love using the cards to channel through journal prompts. And that can be as easy as pulling a card in the morning and just looking at the card and saying like, oh, I see a lot of movement in this card what is it I need to be moving through or like, where, where am I moving to, or what, what needs my attention that needs to be moved out? Or, you know, am I going on a business trip or are there opportunities coming through for that? Um, letting yourself be inspired by the imagery on the cards, by the energy coming through, not trying to get the right answer, but just trying to let anything kind of spark you, um, letting anything give you some inspiration And just starting with that kind of daily practice or regular practice of allowing yourself to be inspired by the cards, to journal on them, to write affirmations, just to take notes on each card, you're building a relationship. And I say, it's like any other practice. It's like the practice of law, practice of medicine, anything else that takes practice that you're building on. It's like the cast iron pan. You know, you don't want (laughs) to, you don't want to soak it in a... Yeah. Don't wash it. Um, don't soak that thing. It's like you're, you're building a muscle memory. You're building trust in yourself. You're building self-acceptance and you're also building this channel or like building out your channel. So you can really receive from your subconscious or your intuition, whatever you want to call it, um, receiving those messages and seeing like, what's lighting me up, what's taking my attention, what's needing my attention that I'm not giving. Um, because a lot of those, like those, those next steps are usually hidden in the things that we're ignoring. Right. Yeah. That's really powerful. So then, so I've, I've had periods of time where I do pull like an Oracle card, but so I like the, the differences between the minors and the major. Now, what about spreads though? So with all of those interactions, like that's where, you know, like, is there, like I've done the one, two, three, you know, like past, yeah. present, future spreads. I've yeah. also done kind of like a T, right? Mm-hmm. With nine cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have it written down what they all mean. Like this is what you're letting go. This is what's stopping you from letting go. But I I don't know what do you have a favorite of or how do you decipher? Uh, well I guess I'm I'm asking two questions at once right is like you know the spread that you're using and then um the interactions is the part that still whether it's oracle tarot like how do you decipher that yeah this is a really great question um or a set of questions so there are many many different spreads When I'm doing a reading, if I'm doing a reading for myself, I'm usually pulling just three cards for myself. And honestly, it's usually like, where am I at now? So I pull the present first, then I'm pulling a future. And then I ask, my third question is always, and what do I need to know about the journey? So it's, where am I now? Where am I going? And what do I need to know about how this is going to go? And so that's usually how I, I just pull for myself based on a very specific question. When I'm working with a client, I'm usually sitting and and talking with them and listening to them and what it is that they're wanting to find out. 
And then I intuitively choose, okay, what's going to be the best spread for this person? What's going to give them the most information based on what they're asking. And there are so many spreads. You can get (laughs) books on them, but I even recommend, you know, let's say you want to ask about money. You can Google like tarot money spread, and you'll see hundreds of thousands of images pull up on Google image. I don't work for Google, by the way, but I'm a big fan of using the tools that we have um, at our disposal. And so really intuitively looking through those and saying like, oh yeah, that's asking the questions that I want to ask, or that one's really hitting on the things I want to know. Um, and then sometimes there's like the traditional Celtic cross, like what you're explaining with where there's the different positions and there's a question for each one, depending on the question, that's how I choose the spread. Because I know by working with the spreads and this, again, it's like, it's like any other practice, it's going to take some trial and error to see like, okay, when I personally pull the Celtic cross spread, I know that that works best for me when I'm working with a client who wants to know, um, what are their next steps with career? What are their next steps on their life journey when they've got a really big decision to make? Because that particular spread brings in a lot of angles of the question. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like, what do I do? It's saying like, what brought you here? Where is this taking you? What's going on subconsciously? What's going on in your conscious mind? Who outside of you is affecting the outcome? What are your hopes and fears? What's the projected, like you said, what's blocking you? What's the projected outcome? So I find that that spread works really well for those, those types of questions. But if I would use that spread for Uh, more like soul-based questions, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or these like love readings, I just find that it doesn't bring in the same information, like the same level of accuracy or information that I'm looking for. With that said, I've also developed my own spreads and I'm going to give you a little industry secret here that, that the best spread that I personally use as a reader it's literally just an extension of that simple three card spread that I told you about where I asked present future journey. And when I do it for clients and they're asking questions, I'll usually pull three cards for each of those positions for the present, the future, and the journey. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a nine card spread on the table, but it's really simple. It's like when you go to someone's house and you're asking like, what are we going to have for dinner? And they're like, oh, chicken and rice. And you have in your head, like, oh, (laughs) like I came all the way here and I brought this amazing (laughs) bottle of wine for chicken and rice. rice. (laughs) But then you get to the table and it's like, you know, they, they uncover the lid of the pot of rice. And it's like, the most fragrant, like Jasmine rice you've ever smelled in your mouth waters. And then they bring out the chicken and you're like, what? Like, this is a mate. Oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. So you can take a really simple spread, like what I was talking about, mm-hmm. but you can do it in a way that feels really good and comfortable. And that does bring in more information. And I really feel like what we were talking about before with security Um, Like if you have a corporate job and you'd really like to become an entrepreneur, but you know that you need that security of the paycheck, like it's the same principle here where if a three card spread makes you feel really comfortable and you're like, I know how to read the three card spread, start with that. Use that as your foundation and then build on it. Like maybe add a couple clarifying cards, you know, where you pull one card for each position, but then you get like a couple more clarifiers. This is really about like building your own communication with yourself, 
trusting yourself, empowering yourself, accepting the way that you do things, knowing that your intuition is also at play. Um, and, and as you do that, if you can start finding a sweet spot with the really simple, you know, if you can find a sweet spot with making a pot of rice and a, and a chicken, then start there and then start playing with the spice, you know, or start playing with the sauces or the way that you do it. This is not a cooking show, but you know, (laughs) yeah, start adding on your, your own, your own little flair to it. And again, it's trial and error. And then suddenly one day it just feels like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. Oh, I found the winning combo. I can really see the story playing out. I'm seeing how it's interacting. I'm seeing this flow. And that's what I hit with that three card spread where it was like reading after reading. I was like, this is so simple, but it gave me this really neat jumping off point where when I read that way, I got such a rich story where I would be like, listen, you know, and I don't like predicting time frames because I'm a lawyer, but, um, you know, where I would suddenly be like, I don't know why. And like, please do not, you know, t- I have no liability here, but I really feel like this, this, and this are happening over the next six months. And so between now and March, like you've really got to get this, this, and this, these ducks in a row, because this is what's coming. And then suddenly, you know, somebody's like, okay, whatever. And then what happens March 30th, I'm getting a call from someone. They're like, you're not going to believe what just happened. Like, you're not going to, you said it and then it happened. And I'm like, listen, I didn't make it happen. I really think that so much of the power of this is giving people permission to set new goals or like giving people permission to, to just switch on their awareness to what's possible for them. Um, it's not mind control. I'm not, as I'm describing, I'm like, am I talking about mind control? No, no, (laughs) but you know, it's like, Taking what resonates, leaving the rest is what I'm always like, you always have free will. I'm not telling you what to do. This is not set in stone. However, if you're here and you're wanting to make career moves, let's get some guidance on how you can start making career moves. If you're here and you're wanting to find love, let's get some guidance on what you need to be aligning with to bring in love. You know, those are, it's the solution oriented approach instead of, you know, saying like, well, this is what the cards say. And so you're doomed. But instead, you know, sparking someone to really take the reins and say like, yeah, that is possible for me. Okay. What are my next steps to find it? What are my next steps to get there? And then, and then going after it, empowering yourself. Oh, I love that. I love that. Starting with, you know, the three and then getting for further guidance as you like that chicken and rice, like that's a fabulous analogy, right? Of, okay, you got some basics. Now, do you want to go into it a little deeper or not? Because sometimes that's all you need. I I've realized that just with my own pulling cards is that sometimes I just need to know, okay, am I on the right track with where I'm going? Am I, am I making, you know, because what I've realized is that trusting the universe is that when I get really clear on what I want and say, okay, if this is what I'm supposed to do or this, then just give me a sign. And then bam, it happens once. Cause I've gotten really, really clear on the emotional aspects or how something's going to look, not only just having a characteristic of what I'm looking for, um, 
and I'm not talking about love, but in just life, right? Like living situations, you know, I put it out there. This is kind of what I'm looking for now. This doesn't reside as much. Um, so if it can look like this and then bam, something comes up and next thing you know, you're moving. Yeah. And you know, two weeks you've moved. I mean, yeah. That's the and kind that's of stuff that happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that to me, that's what it, because I alignment is such a buzzword, especially now in and outside of the spiritual community. Mm-hmm. But you hear about alignment a lot, but it's examples like that where you know, really letting yourself get clear and then watching things just kind of seem like they happen or everything just clicks into place suddenly. And you're going, mm-hmm. okay, how did that happen? And again, it's like that superhero backstory. Like, well, if you really reverse engineer it, the wheels started in motion a long time ago. And then it was the more and more clarity and the more and more you allowed yourself or gave yourself permission to believe that you could have it or believe that it was possible. Then you start finding those opportunities. You start being open to the opportunities that have possibly been orbiting you for a long time, but now you're really aware. And so much, I say awareness and intention so often because I really feel like those are two of our biggest allies on our becoming journeys. Mm-hmm. It's just using the power of our intention and using the power of our awareness. And like we say a lot in mental health, um, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And so it takes a lot of self-forgiveness and a lot of grace of like, you know what? I didn't know that was possible for me even sometimes five minutes ago, but now I'm aware. So I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently and it doesn't have to be a big announcement and I don't have to shame myself for not having done it sooner. I know now. And so I can behave differently and then setting your intention and your awareness and moving forward. Yeah. I'm so, oversimplifying it, but, yeah. but yeah. no, it's so true when you, when you think about it and, and uh, apply that concept to something, you know, real tangible, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I was talking with my mom last night about travel, you know, like I want, um, I'm putting it out there to do a certain amount of travel. And I realized because I just moved for like, feels like the hundredth time in like two years now. Like I seriously have moved a lot in the last two years and like six, seven times. Right. So I'm kind of like wanting to settle in first and then go do some travel. So for me, settling in is, can I get a good year in, you know, um, to, and then get out there and start seeing these things that I've been wanting to go see, right? Like stabilize a couple areas. And I thought to myself, so that's what you're putting out there. So that's the type of energy I'm going to be bringing in, you know, if you, that little bit of nesting and then where you feel like, okay, this is grounded and secure. Now let's, let's go. But, you know, this has been so, so powerful um understanding all of this Liz like I want to go get out my cards um good and and take a look at them differently and then I'm thinking even you know maybe that means that I need a new set of cards versus the the one uh tarot card that I have I have you know so many oracle cards but I need to probably go and you know pick out something new so with somebody when like when you 
took out your star man cards, right? Like you were saying, those were so intense. So do you have any guidance then? Like, or do we just go Google like uh beginner tarot cards, like suggestions or <laughs> I have a couple of suggestions. I'm not affiliated with either of these, okay. but I will tell you that the two that I suggest over and over again to my tarot students, um, and I, I suggest them over and over because I hear so much good feedback about them from beginners is either the traditional Rider Waite Smith deck. And that's the one that you usually see the images of, um, you know, it's, it was published in the early 1900s. So it's that old fashioned imagery, um, that, that everybody knows that's the original tarot that you might want to work with. The other one that I really suggest, and this is very controversial in tarot circles. So I'm just letting you know, this is my personal opinion. Um, I work with this one called the light Sears tarot by a lady named Chris Ann, and you can find it on any of the sites where you would buy tarot or Oracle cards. Mm -hmm. And the imagery of it is just, I've just found for myself and for the clients that I work with, it is so easy to connect with the imagery because it feels very modern. It's illustrated in a really beautiful way. And you really get to the energy of what the card meaning is, as opposed to just kind of looking at this sometimes out of touch imagery from these older tarot decks where you're looking at it and you're like, um, okay, there's a, there's a guy and he's trying to hold five swords. I'm not really sure what that means, but then when you see it in the light seers tarot and you see someone, um, like her depiction of it is someone holding his head. Like he has a headache and there are crows flying around him. And you're like, Oh, I know what that guy's feeling. He's feeling a lot of confusion because he's got all these things squawking around his head and he can't get a real thought through that makes sense to me. So like, that's what I mean with, with her imagery is a lot easier to connect with yeah. Um, yeah. where you can really feel the energy of what the message of the card is. So I highly recommend. And again, like I said, I'm not affiliated with it, but highly recommend the light Sears tarot by Chris Ann um, for beginners. I think it's really beautiful deck and it's really easy oh. to connect with. Well, that's great. I think I'll, I'll list that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, Please. Yeah. I'll go look her up. I wish and, I, wish I was affiliated with it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can be, Dang, you can become an Amazon affiliate, but you know, <laughs> but oh, yeah, exactly. this has been so, so, so informative and such a joy. You're such a, a light, you know, that's just shining mm -hmm. through to every, everything that you talk about, like you can tell that you stepped into what lights you up. Like, Thing, you know, yeah. your energy was just like, <laughs> it, yeah. so I mean, can we talk about the thing I love? Great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I could talk about this all day long, Deb. So yeah. how, how can then, how can somebody reach you Liz and connect with you? Yeah. So the best way is through my website, which is my name, www.lizzamorski.com, um, which I think will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And then you can also find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at the femme genius. And I will say as a caveat though, that there's this big problem on different social media platforms. When you follow spiritual people, um, especially tarot readers, astrologists, or psychics, um, that there are a lot of scammers out there. So when you follow me on Instagram, you also have the chance that you may be followed back by someone who is a copycat account. 
So I always recommend that if you're trying to get in contact with me, or if you're trying to book a reading with me, go directly through my website. There's a contact form there that emails me directly. I love to hear from people. I love to have your questions. Um, and I'll also send you Deb. So you can put it in the show notes. I have a little secret link on my website where I have my little cheat sheet for the tarot. And it's just a one page PDF that you can print out, you can use, and it'll just take you through some of the easier numerology of the tarot, how to read the court cards, um, and then some information about the major and minor arcana, just to give you something to jump off of. And that, you know, I'm happy to offer that as a little freebie to everybody who's interested. Oh, I love that. Yes. We will most definitely put that in the show notes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Liz. Yeah. Right. I will be printing it off. <laughs> Uh, with my new deck that You're I'm going to so go welcome. get on there. And, uh, you know, yeah. so I, I just feel so honored that you were able to spend all this time with us and really give so much information, you know, not only about your journey as, you know, moving from a corporate role uh, to entrepreneurship and all that entailed, and then really so much knowledge sharing on, you know, tarot and using it and really trusting our own intuition and developing those, uh, those, those skill sets within ourselves. So thank you, Liz. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you to everyone who's listening. I really appreciate it. We're doing good work here. Yes, we are. <laughs> if you enjoyed this light up your worth episode, be sure to share with a soulful friend who needs to hear this message. Thanks so much for listening and being part of the Light Up Your Worth community. My heart is full of gratitude for you. You are my inspiration to shine the light of spiritual heart-centered women. Now go out there and shine your own light. Sending you sunshine.